Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to a live episode here. Uh, welcome to the Nerdiest Podcast Show. And how's everybody doing today? Today is Tuesday. 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 You guys ever watch Norbit? Remember when he when he uh, had that date set up? Sort of like a date, like catching up with an old friend, and he was just like Tuesday, 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 like just constantly Tuesday. Well, that is today. Today is Tuesday. Uh, put out a tweet last night letting everybody know that um, today's episode, um, basically I was going to give you guys my thoughts, my opinions, my feelings about mobile technology today, the way that it's going, how things have been uh, with mobile technology, and um, a little bit more to add on to that too, as well as we now know uh, Dish Network acquired Republic Wireless. So I'll kind of give my uh, thoughts about that just off jump. Um, but anyways, uh, like, like usual, before I get even started at all whatsoever, shout out to those people who are members of the channel. Really, really appreciate you guys for hanging in there with me throughout thick and thin. Really appreciate that um, in my YouTube retirement days. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you guys so much for that. And for those people who want to help out uh, with the show, with the podcast and everything like that, this is how you can do it uh, through PayPal. There's a link and ticker down there. Uh, but the ultimate biggest way that you guys can just, you know, help out, obviously, one, you're already doing it by watching this. And then two, smashing that like button and sharing this on social platforms for other people to discover. Um, so anyways, well, let's just kind of dive into it. Mobile technology today and the way mobile technology is, um, it has become dull. You know, I mean, I hate to say it because there are still there are people out there who are still a bit enthusiastic about mobile technology. And there's nothing wrong with them being that way, feeling that way or even advocating for it. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, I'm not going to argue that point with anybody who would even come and say it like, no, Tito, you're entirely wrong. You don't know what you're talking about, man. Mobile technology is not, it's at the pinnacle, you know, but it's really not. Um it's really not anymore, in my opinion, in my eyes. The way that I see mobile technology today is just so it's so different. It's so different than what it was, uh, you know, back in 2012, back in 2013. Mobile technology today has come to uh, what I like to say it's it's reached that glass ceiling, and we don't even know if if any manufacturer is going to break through. I mean, we see attempts by different manufacturers out there. We see these attempts that they're trying to do and, and it's and it's totally, you know what? Like I'm not knocking them for trying. I'm not knocking them for trying at all. You know what I mean? Like more power to them. You know what I mean? Right now, Samsung and foldable technology and that's where they're trying to take this and elevate it to this point. Um, and it looks like it might be what's catching on because you have Google that's going to be releasing a foldable pixel. Uh, there's always uh, endless rumors of, of uh, Apple creating a foldable iPhone. There's just so much going on. I mean, you have LG and the LG Wing. Nice try. Um, and nothing wrong with the phone. Nothing wrong with the LG Wing. But there's just, you know, I mean, that's not something that's brand new to the table. We, we've seen that type of uh, technology before uh, with the little swivel dual screen type thing. Um, not really dual screen. Because the original phone that actually did that um, was just like a screen and it swiveled into like a T-shape. But then there was the dialer pad underneath. I mean, that was like, you know, now that, that, that phone was on Verizon, I believe. And that was like way back in the day, like 2005, 2006, roughly around there. 
um, that we saw something like that. A refresh design with the LG wing, the LG chicken wing. Um, but like I said, it's it a good attempt. Um, I'm seeing a lot of people actually enjoying and loving the LG wing and what it can do. So when it comes to mobile technology, what we best get all the time is candy bar style touchscreen displays and stuff like that. And you also got to think too, like when touchscreen came out, I mean, they like revolutionized the mobile tech industry. Like everybody was just going bananas over a touchscreen display. Like we had, you know, when the Apple iPhone released in 2007, um, there were companies that was trying to play catch up with it, right? Like you had Samsung and uh, the Instinct models. If you guys remember those, the Samsung Instinct, uh, which had its own proprietary software from Samsung on it, uh, was made to compete against the uh, the iPhone. You, um, I think there was like various other companies that had like touchscreens, but you know their touchscreens was a little bit different. Uh, capacitive touchscreens was like mostly seen in premium devices, and then resistive touch displays was in mid-range devices um problem with that you know is is that uh, samsung then figured out like okay you know like we need something more powerful to compete against the iphone back in the day because you know the iphone was just you know it, it did a little bit more than what like the samsung instinct did or it looked a lot better on ios than it did with samsung's proprietary software it wasn't really until android hit the scene when things kind of like started to shake up you know what I mean? Um, Android coming out with the HTC G1, uh, you know, capacitive touch display. Uh, Android could do a lot of things. And then, you know, you know the bonus of that was that you had a slide up QWERTY keyboard. I remember just going uh, cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs when it came to the HTC G1 because I watched a lot of uh, Chris Chavez's videos on custom ROMs for it and things like that. Uh, remember, just doing extensive coverage on the HTC G1 that was released on T-Mobile. And, um, yeah, so we had our two main uh, operating systems that still exist till today. We've had other ones. You know, we had Palm OS. We had Windows. And those fell by the wayside. BlackBerry eventually followed in suit. And BlackBerry just kind of doing a different route, kind of just creating the hardware and then relying on Android as a software for its hardware. Uh, but that's, you know... That, that's, that's to be seen um, later on down as time progresses, as Android grows and as iOS just kind of slows down on its growth, because that's how I viewed uh, the mobile tech industry then. Excuse me. I mean, that's how I viewed it then, you know. iOS had a head start because it came out in 2007. And by it coming out in 2007... Um, you know, it had a pretty much a heads up, right? Like Android coming out a couple of years after. Um, Android, slow growth. The UI was just, you know, to some people, the UI was just ugly. It was just crappy. It just, it, it wasn't going anywhere. It just wasn't doing uh, what people expected it to. But that's just because um, if, I don't know if people remember back in the day, a lot of people really wished that Android was like iOS. Like anytime iOS had a feature, Android would be heavily compared to it. And in people who were on the Android side, some people were just like, why can't we have this? iPhones have this, you know? It was like that for a long time until Android pretty much caught up to iOS. And at a certain point, actually passed iOS. When you're talking about um, innovation on on the mobile OS feature side, we're not talking about hardware side, um, Android started to do it. They started to, you know, 
become a trendsetter themselves. Because iOS was always setting the trend. Android was always like two steps behind, just kind of copying that. But then Android surpassed iOS and started setting setting the trends because this is where, you know, between 2013 and 2018, we started seeing a lot of people take to social media. When iOS ended up getting a feature, people were just like, welcome to 2012 iPhone or welcome to 2013 iPhone, you know, because uh, Apple didn't implement that type of um a feature into their mobile OS until later on down the road. And, you know, people would argue the point. They'd be like, Apple doesn't do things unless they can perfect it. You know, Android may have came out with it first, but, you know, Apple perfected it. There's always this, this talk of back and forth when it comes to mobile OS wars and things like that. Um, the reason I'm mentioning all this is because back then, even though, you know, there were subtle changes to the operating system, subtle changes to the hardware, very, very minor incremental changes, the, the thing about it was, was that back then, it mattered. It mattered to me. It mattered to a lot of people. When you think about it today, there's not really much that they can actually like do. They've kind of hit that glass ceiling already, and they're kind of all pinned up there just waiting for somebody to kind of crack the glass ceiling or punch through it so everyone else can flow through it and we can ascend higher levels when it comes to mobile technology. We're not there. We're at that glass ceiling and they're all stuck there. Um, Because if you kind of look at it, like in the last three years, the most talked about innovative feature that comes to mobile technology today is all pertaining to cameras it's all pertaining to it, you know, night sight and night mode. And, you know, I can see in the dark camera sensor is really what's, you know, like the talk of the town when you kind of think about it. Um, when, you know, subtle small things, I mean, Google's trying with its AI and, and Android, you know what I mean? Like they, they brought some very useful things, you know what I mean? Like call screening, the ability for your phone to screen your calls. Hell, the most, you know, recent one was... Um, the hold for me feature where if you're on, you know, one of those uh, business phone calls uh, where you have to wait for a representative, you know, you literally can turn on hold for me where hold for me listens to the hold music. So you don't have to. And then when a, when a live person comes back on the call, it notifies that live person. One second, the caller is coming back to the call and it alerts you at the same time, letting you know that there's an actual operator on the other line and you can get back on and talk and, do your business, whether you're calling your cell provider, you're calling your bank, you're calling whatever it may be, you can get that taken care of. So, I mean, here's, the th- you know, with, with just those subtle changes and stuff like that, they kind of excite, but they kind of don't, you know what I mean? Um, we haven't really seen big changes. And, you know, playing devil's advocate here, it's almost as if, like, if you think about it, mobile technology, while it does grow in advance, it also kind of seems like that it's kind of like a mop bucket. I know that's kind of a weird uh, analogy to kind of uh, express this, but, you know, when you look at the mop bucket, right, it's never really changed. You know, the ones that janitor uses, the yellow ones or the, or, or the metal ones, you know, it has, like, the, the bucket itself that holds the water, then it has that little thing on top of it that you can, like, squish all the water out of the mop so it's not heavily soaked in water while you're mopping. You know what I mean? And people look at it and say it's a dumb design. But since that came out, since the conception of that, and it was brought to the public, have you seen anyone change change it for better, like completely change it or come out with something completely different. 
No, because it's built to last. And I think that's what, you know, some people that would advocate for mobile technology would say is like, it's built to last. Um, that's the reason why we're not seeing any drastic changes. If we see changes to the way that our smartphones are today, it's only for, for gimmickal purposes and nothing more. And I can agree with that. Yeah, I mean, foldable technology, and I'm probably going to get burned by Latrell on this one, but foldable technology is not something that you must have. It's not a must have. It's not a necessity. It's a gimmickal feature. It's a nice feature. It's pretty badass. It shows somebody like, hey, guess what? Your phone is a candy bar phone. My phone can close. It it folds. You know, can't blame them for it, right? You know, Samsung does it. Uh, Motorola did it with the, you know, the callback to the retro days of the Moto Razor. I mean, you know, with with, with all that being said, it is the reason why that, you know, some people will say like, hey, my favorite YouTuber hasn't really um, hasn't really uploaded a video that's really, really, really talking about mobile tech. Like they're just bringing me bare minimum. The reason why that they are is because that's really all that there is. There's not much to really focus and talk about. You know, for, for, for other YouTubers who talk about mobile technology, such as my friend Sneed, uh, the reason why the growth of, of his channel and the popularity of his channel and the viewership of his channel is coming along just fine is because he's not focused on just the mobile tech side of things. He talks about the network, which is also a very interesting topic for people who don't understand how the network works. This guy will break it down for you so easily for you to understand. And you'll have an idea now as to why, you know, certain things happens with your mobile phone because it has to do with the network. And um, and that's the reason why you're seeing a lot of people starting to get interested in it. Those people that pretty much already know about 5G technology, those people who are reading books and, you know, listening to other YouTubers talk about 5G technology and then joining in on the conversations to learn more. This is a reason why that, you know, when you talk about mobile technology on YouTube and on various other platforms and podcasts, the reason why it's doing so well is, you know, it's because one, ultimately it's very interesting because no one in the past really took the time to try to understand how the network works. And um, so now people are doing that, but it also kind of fills that void that an open hole that most of us haven't really seen because our attention is elsewhere. And that is the absence of innovation in mobile technology and the near pause in the growth of mobile technology. Uh, All these companies like Samsung, LG, Motorola, Google, Apple, they've all hit that glass ceiling and they're stuck there. They're stuck there at this moment. I mean, all they can do is just reiterate what they've done so far already, right? Like I go bananas over Google Pixels because I really like the Google Pixel phones. You know, sorry to Carlos. I know he really wants me to like, like prefer iPhone over Pixel, but not happening. I like iPhones. I like iOS. Now that I've used them, I think they're great. I still like Google Pixels. But I will say this: in in, in the last five generations of Google Pixels, have they come out with anything that is really a genuine shock and wow factor? And the answer to that is no. They haven't. They've regurgitated the same thing over and over and over again. They may have changed the way that it looks. They may like have. You know, we'll have circle cameras here. Now we'll put a square camera here and square camera with two sensors inside of it. I mean, that's really all the major changes that we get. We don't get anything that's drastically different. You know what I mean? And I think part of that has to play with, you know, what happened with LG and in, in the, the LG G5. You know what I mean? I mean, that was a major fail, a good attempt on, on LG to try to bring something different. Modularity was what they were aiming for. Um, that's just because Google had Project Aura. 
And Project Aura was supposed to be the first a true modular phone, a phone that you can interchange pieces of the phone to change the characteristics of the phone. You know, Project Aura was just like it was going to be the game changer. But a lot of companies didn't back Project Aura because it would kill their vision of what they were going to do with smartphones. You're talking about Samsung and LG and HTC and them not really backing Project Aura. Um, and why wouldn't they, you know, or why would they even, actually the question is why would they even in the first place? No, the point that they were going with was to sell you mobile phones. And it's the same thing. Like I tell my friends who kind of question, like, why doesn't this phone get the next Android update? If it's capable, it has the same processing chip as this other phone from this other manufacturer that it was able to update theirs to the next Android version. Why isn't this one getting it? And I would always tell them like, it's up to the manufacturer if they're going to put out the next version of Android on that phone. And most manufacturers see dollars. And so they can't sell you the Android update, but they can sell you uh, a new device with the latest version of Android. Good morning, coffee or uh, afternoon where you are. I appreciate you for being here. So uh, Project Aura was basically against that because the, the whole point of Project Aura was you would buy one phone. And yeah, it looked it, it looked like a like a Lego set on the back of the phone, you know. Uh, but what would happen is that Google would create these mod these modules, and like the modules will have like a different processing chip. It would have a different uh, camera sensor. It would have um, you know different battery, uh, and you and you can interchange these. So you would actually be upgrading the hardware on your phone little by little. Um, hey. Thanks for the, the super chat. Really appreciate it. Uh, but you would interchange the pieces and it would upgrade your phone, right? So let's say like, you know, um, Google had partnered with Qualcomm for Project Aura. And so uh, Qualcomm would be building specific modules that housed the next um, 800 series processor chip or the next 700 series processor chip, you know. And you could order them from Google, come in, just pop you know, your old processor off the phone while it's powered off, put the new one in. But of course you have to think too about load time and stuff like that, right? It's like the same thing of computer, you know, computer components, right? You can't just just stick things in your computer and it just starts working. Not always. Sometimes you do have to um, program the computer to to understand that it's got a new upgrade in the hardware for a specific uh, thing, whether it's a processor chip, whether it's the, you know, the GPU, whether it's the, um, you know, the the audio, um, any, any, component change must have language between other components for it to work. And so in order for that to happen, you have to load the software to allow other components to find, read, understand that this is a new component and this is how to talk to it. So they all intersync together to work together. That's how computing works. Um, and so Project R ran into so many problems. I mean, the, the the furthest that the project got was that somebody went on stage at Google I.O. and took a picture of everybody in the crowd. And that was it. And like, of course, they use a very crappy camera sensor. So it wasn't like you got high def photo or anything like that. But the phone was able to take a picture. And that was to let people know that it was heading in the right direction. But they also knew, too, that by doing this and going modular, that there was going to be a lot of things that could go wrong. There's going to be a lot of things that, you know, would have to be done again, having parts of a computer talk to each other means that those parts must understand that that part is a new part put in replacing another part that they use to communicate with. And so you have to have that developed the process, right? 
And if you don't, and you don't find a, a very seamless way of doing it, it's going to cause headaches for a lot of consumers. And so Project Aura died. And that was about the furthest that we ever got from new innovative technology in the mobile technology side. Anything else beyond that was just like, yeah, it's all been candy bar style, point shoot cameras, front cameras, back cameras. I mean, from 2018 to 2020, the race for bringing innovation because people were starting to demand like, hey, I noticed you guys are not being very innovative. What's going on with you guys? So they all scrambled around like a bunch of you know roaches when you flip the light on in the kitchen and they just scatter all around. You know, bad analogy there because probably somebody does live with roaches and hey, that sucks. But hey, I know because I grew up in Guam, man. So I lived in Guam. I live in Hawaii. We got B-52s out there. So don't even feel bad about yourself. Um, but you know, they, 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 they scrambled to find something that they could show to be innovative. And so they started, they started messing with the cameras. Well, you know, some people were like, well, we're going to put, we're going to punch hole display the cameras. And that's what they did. You know, even on the Google pixel five, right. They got, I got the punch hole camera hidden on top up there, but it's there, you know, uh, one plus decided to motorize, hide their cameras, you know? And so yeah, well, yeah, we'll, we'll put a selfie cam on the very top that's motorized. So when you flip on your camera app, to take a selfie, that thing will pop up and we'll also use it for face recognition and this and that and the third. You know, you had the notch, you had the teardrop notch. You had all people just being like, trying to be innovative with a selfie camera. Alongside that, trying to provide features to the camera that would wow people like, you know, AR mode and, um, and night sight shots and astrophotography and those types of things. You know, I'm not downplaying those things. I'm just saying that that's what they relied on as a way to seem like they're trying to be innovative when they're not, they really hit the glass ceiling. So because of this, this is the reason why mobile tech videos aren't as, aren't as lively as they could be. Um, because a lot of people that I know of that love mobile technology, just as much as I do and, and the next person beyond, we look at it and we're like, okay, we're only really telling you the same things over and over again. I mean, you know, I have this theory that I told uh, friends of mine about unboxing videos. And I told them that unboxing videos really has nothing to do with unboxing the phone. That's not why they're so popular. For some people, they get a kick out of just seeing an unboxing video. This is true. Anybody that they consider and say, no, that's not true. You know, they're, they're interested in seeing what comes in the box. Bullarkey. Bolarkey. No, it's not. Yes, I'm keeping it PG today. Um, they are FOS. They're FOS. They're completely FOS. And the reason why I say that is because you ever notice that when that, like some uh, unboxers, when they unbox a phone and they're like, you know, we're going to take off the, the, the screen protector here and they, they put the phone by the microphone and they just peel it slowly so you can hear that come off. It's actually an addiction. People, there are people who are addicted to watching unboxings. They just, they just got to see a phone being unboxed brand new for the first time. No matter if it's in their hands, it, 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 like, it quenches a thirst for them to see it. I mean, eventually they're going to buy the phone and they're going to get the real experience when they open the box for the first time themselves and take the phone out. But, you know, they don't get tired of watching the unboxing of the same phone over and over again. If they watch it from like, you know, 1000 different content creators on YouTube who unbox the phone or they watch it from the same person over and over again, doesn't matter. It's the, the point of them unboxing the phone, peeling off that, that screen protector, unwrapping the, the phone from the, you know, the protective film around it. 
and 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 opening up paperwork and all that stuff. Just the sound, you know what I mean? Like seriously, anyone out there that's a tech geek can actually create an ASMR channel and just unbox a phone all day long and watch how many people get satisfied with the sounds of an unboxing. I mean, it's just it's really there. It's it's a real thing. Blaze, what's going on? It's a real thing that that you know people should understand. It's a real real thing. People are addicted to hearing the sounds and, and visual experiences of seeing a phone being unboxed for the first time. It's an addiction. And so it happens. But um, that, you know, that, that that's why unboxing videos do so well. Uh, retaining information from the unboxing videos is not, not a massive thing. It's not, it's not something that, you know, every, like everybody like has to, has to have. It's not, it's, it's not that type of thing. Um, and that's really all it is. So today, when it comes to mobile technology, when it comes to the space, when it comes to that, this is what a lot of content creators are kind of stuck at. So some of them talk, you know, report news or, you know, articles that they read and they share it and discuss it and talk about it. You know, um, of course, we flipped from making videos because uh, we used to a lot of uh, tech creators used to heavily rely on videos. And now we're relying on videos still, but we're also incorporating a lot of live streaming and then, you know, podcasting. And even some of us have decided to like group together as groups and, uh, and, and, and podcast together. You know what I mean? To try to make, try to make it here on this platform, you know, other people such as myself have opted retirement and just decided just to do what they feel like doing on YouTube and not really worry about um, having like a set schedule for things or anything like that. They kind of go away from that and kind of do their own thing now and still talk about the things that they enjoy talking about and incorporate more. Um, and that's the reason why is just, there's just not a lot going on in mobile technology right now that not a, that, you know, any of us don't know about the whole purpose of, at least for me, in my thinking, the whole purpose of a content creator who talks about mobile tech is to help share and teach others about mobile tech. I mean, it's really that it's really, you know, sharing, perspectives and helping people understand mobile technology a lot more, but there's not a lot more to teach anymore or to share anymore. Good morning, Gene, and welcome. Happy to have you here. There's not a lot anymore that, that you can, because a lot of, a lot of consumers today have done their research and done their homework. They, they're not dumb. So other creators, cause there are some other creators out there that I've come across that make videos and talk about things and act pretty stupid and pretty much, uh, paint consumers as idiots and they're totally wrong for doing that consumers are not idiots you'd be surprised how many consumers know more about mobile technology than the creator themselves uh caleb hey <laughs> good afternoon and good morning to you too sir um you'd be surprised how many consumers out there know more than the creator does it, it happens um and i don't like creators that are like that that you know patronize consumers and you know make them act like consumers don't know any better consumers know consumers know i should put that on a t-shirt and sell that hashtag consumers know they know um but yeah there's not much happening in the mobile tech space is the reason why it's such a watered down dull place now i mean people are kind of eating outside of their plate right now just to kind of like bring stuff to go you know um there are others who have like you know seriously considered just stepping into a new realm and, and closing out their channels. And it's really sad to say, uh, and, and, and also really sad to hear. I hope that some of the ones that, you know, have talked with me that, you know, say they're going to close out their, their tech channel on YouTube and create a whole new channel, talk about a whole new different subject. Hopefully they keep their tech channel and they come back to it every now and then and, and bring some videos for those people who took the time to subscribe. Cause that's the main, that's the main thing that, you know, I look at, 
uh, when it comes to this this whole YouTube game. It's like those people who subscribe to me, um, they took a chance in subscribing to me. So I got to bring them something. It may, it may not be entirely what I used to do before, but I got to bring them something. And, um, you know, so I kind of mix it up a little bit with technology and movies and video games and just, you know, off the wall subjects or whatever. This totally, you know, it's, it's just a thing just to bring something out there to people. Um, but as far as like mobile technology today, it's, it's not really, it's not really doing anything big, but like, understand this while I'm saying that mobile technology today is not doing anything big. It's not to say that it's, it's at its end point. This is not the end game for mobile technology. This is just a dry spell. If I can put it in context, it's just a dry spell of mobile technology for now. Some company is going to get a, you know, that Thunderbolt's going to hit them in the head and that, that developer is going to like go to the board of directors and everybody and say, Hey, I have a great idea for the next evolution state of mobile technology. And then that's going to start coming into play. Who knows? It could be holographic, you know, phone calls. It could be a little cube. Could you imagine someone developing a cube that sits in your pocket? Very small, nothing big, nothing bulging. That's going to make anyone think that, you know, you got a chubby going on, but just, you know, discreetly enough able to fit in your pocket could be a cube. And then that cube could, you know, have a call. And that call could be just like how Star Wars has a, you know, holographic call, a little, you know, digital um, imagery of a person you're talking to that's sitting in the palm of your hand. You're just like talking to them like, yeah, like you keep an elf in your pocket. (laughs) When the call's over, you just put your cube in your pocket. Who knows? Somebody may have already thought about that and may already be in the works of it. Technology grows differently. It doesn't always grow the same. Like sometimes things could be innovative in such a short amount of time because you have like the like the brilliant minds working together and creating all this stuff. And that's totally great. And, and it's a good collaborative team. But sometimes technology takes years in advancement to actually get to where it needs to go. It could have started back in 2012 and be introduced in 2020. Morning, baby Yoda. Force is strong with you, bro. Um, it, you know, it could it, that that could be totally the case. You know, that's like it's not one size fits all in mobile technology. That's, and if anyone comes in with that concept in their head, trying to push that type of narrative, you're completely off your rocker. If you feel that way, technology does not go the same way. It's not one size fits all. It works many different ways. Some develop fast. Some take time to develop. It's just what we have, what we have access to and what is now, you know, uh, people don't really actually maybe think about this off jump. And, and you know, I'm not saying that, that people are dumb. I'm just saying, like, you know, it doesn't come off, you know, it doesn't come in people's minds. Like, even, even some of the best geeks out there don't even think about this on a daily. But when you think about technology, sometimes the reason why technology takes a lot longer to grow in the specific field area of the technology is because maybe a key component that would make that technology actually work has not even been invented yet. Some people don't even think that, <laughs> you know, be right back. All right, bro, take your time, man. Do what you got to do. I'll be here probably for another half hour. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that, that does happen, you know, like it just has to be innovative. So mobile technology today, we've hit the glass ceiling. That's where it's at right now. And this is the reason why that there's not a lot going on with news, with phones. I mean, you know, we're too busy right now looking at all the, the, the different details of what goes on in it um, that we're not actually seeing like, major shifts and major changes the stuff that we're actually wanting even though we're not out here screaming it every day we're actually wanting to see something new um so that's what i feel about mobile technology uh moving 
into another direction here before I go. I'm giving the grounds to those people in the chat, those that's watching right now. If you've got a little statement you want to say about mobile technology yourselves, feel free to share it, man. There's not there's not a thought that's not you know unwelcomed here. Speak freely. Um I would say. I want something new. Yes. I want a small phone. What did you think about my little statement of what I call the cube, a little small device that could that basically does holographic calls? Would you carry something like that? I mean, you could literally make it private if someone was like, how would the call be private if it's a hologram of somebody talking to you? Well, you can always pair it with like Bluetooth earbuds. <laughs> and then, you know, people will see the, holo- the holographic image of the person's mouth moving, but they won't hear sound. But, you know, I mean, what do y'all think about that? Like if they can just like find a way to make a micro cube that can do holographic calls, how badass would that be? But then again, you also got to think too, like with every bit of technology that's created, something always weird comes out of it, right? Like I predicted this and I talked to some of my friends about this. If we had holographic calling like they do in Star Wars, you know, one of the most top things that's going to happen with it is that they are, someone is going to create you know how they have um, they have sexting on text messaging, and then they they brought sexting to Snapchat. Now, um, just imagine that they brought that that mentality and that thing to holographic calling. Man, that's just going to be insane. You, your kids that have cubes with holographic calls, you're going to have to really monitor their stuff because <laughs> you can't. Yeah, you don't want them doing anything like that. <clears throat> Let's see. Gene says, I'm getting a Pixel book with my stimulus money. Need to replace my Chromebook. Okay. I mean, did you go check one out at Best Buy? Why isn't the Pixel 4a in white? It's it's 5G, correct? Pixel 4a 5G is 5G. And yes, there's already a white variant. Someone got one already. You got to order it through, through Google Store, I think. And uh, they they run out pretty fast. I mean, think about it. When they released the blue version of the Pixel 4a, that sold out quick. The people go after those strangely odd colors. Looking at the Google Store. Oh, okay. How much is it at the Google Store right now? Let's see. We'll go. Um, let's check it out. Store.google.com. Typing one-handed. Do 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 Pixelbook laptops. Pixelbook Go. Oh, they got they got protective cases and everything. I should look into that and protect my investment here. Uh, la 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 la. Six hundred and forty nine dollars, or you can finance it at twenty seven dollars and four cents a month for twenty four months. That's pretty much. I mean, that's what I paid for the Pixelbook Go. Six hundred and forty nine dollars with taxes came out to seven hundred and eight. So, yeah, about there. You saw an orange pixel. Like, the Pixel 4 also orange? Because I know the Pixel 4, it's, um, its color, its uh, exclusive color was the also orange. So, I know that one had an orange. Now, if you're talking about the, the Pixel Book, um, the Pixel Book is actually... Comes in black and in like a peach pink color. There you have it right there. That's what I have, but I have the black one. That's what I'm using right now. 
to live stream. I have the black one. I don't have that color. I would have grabbed that color if they had it at Best Buy, but the guy was like, when I was buying it, and I was like, I'm really interested in the Pixelbook Go. And then he's all like, I'm like, do you guys have them in stock? And he's like, yes, we do. We have the black one. I'm like, I'll take it. I don't give a shit about the color. I mean, if you guys had the uh, whatever they call this color, not pink, pink, or whatever, if you had this one, I'd be totally cool with it. Um, of course, then people will probably look at me oddly weird and be like, why do you have a girl's color Chromebook? And then, you know, who knows? I really don't care. There are some things in life that I just don't give a shit about. So, but anyways, yeah, the Pixelbook Go. It's not, it's not, a, it's not a bad Chromebook at all. But which variant are you getting though? Because there's, there's multiple variants of the Pixelbook Go. I don't know if you know that, Gene. Uh, I got the very base one, which is just 64 gigs of, uh, of storage on here, and I forgot how much RAM. Yeah, this thing is very light, by the way. The Pixelbook goes super light. I mean, and, and what's cool is is that the hinge is not so rough, so you can actually open this thing um, easily with one one hand. Like I had the, the pixel book on my desk. When I opened it, I used one finger and I pry the screen up from from the base, and it's not you don't have to stress, you don't have to hold the base of it and you know lift the you know lift the screen off the the base. It's just you can do it one finger. Um, yeah, there's like different stuff. Yes, you have different things. Well, these are the accessories they have three millimeter privacy filter. Wow, that's like 40 bucks. Laptop sleeve for Pixel Go. Eh, not too worried about it. I don't know why I would need an external keyboard and mouse. And then there's like a purse. So all this stuff is from the company Bellroy. Well, um, I got Pixel Buds, so I don't need them. <laughs> so, Jesus Christ. Okay, here we go. Duh. I was like scrolling through all that, and tech specs are right there. Uh, dual cam. Yes, that's right. It does have that. Yes, okay. So there's different models here. And I believe, yeah, the one that I have is the base model. So it has the Intel Core M3. That's the one that I have with 8 gigs of RAM, 64 gigs of storage, and full HD display. But you also have um, the Intel Core i5. Um, with the with the um, eight gigs of uh, RAM, one twenty eight gigs of storage, full HD display, and then there's uh, the other one with uh, the Intel Core five. That one has sixteen gigabytes of RAM, one hundred and twenty eight gigs of storage, full HD display, and then you got the mass the 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 powerhouse one, which is the Intel Core i seven, sixteen gigs of RAM, two hundred and fifty six gigs of storage, four K Ultra HD display, well HD molecular display. And yeah, as you can see the pricing on that. So 649 for the base. That's what I got. Uh, as you go up in, in specs, then it goes up by $200 to 849 and then another $150 um, to the 16 gig uh, RAM, 16 gigs of RAM model with 128 storage. And then you got the, the 16 gigs of RAM with the 256 storage with the 4K Ultra HD molecular display. That's $1,399. So kind of pricey there. I went with the base one. I went with the 8 gig, 64 uh, gig storage and the uh, the M3. So, and, and you know, it, it's, it's just fine for me. It's just really fast. Hey, tech love the mama. Hey, how's it going? Welcome. Um, let's see. I love my old school earphones. Yeah, wired earphones are still good and serves a very good purpose. I mean, I'm using wired headphones with, you know, um, 
a cardioid mic. So it's working out. Samsung has a red Chromebook for $179 with eligible trade-in. Uh, what, on Best Buy? Because I've seen that one. I, I almost bought that one, but I, I decided to go with Pixelbook. Just, you know, because I'm so cliche of a Pixel fan, so why not? <laughs> Michael, how's it going? Good morning. Welcome here. Um, but, yeah. So, I don't know. Good luck on that, uh, Gene. Let me know how that goes when you buy your, your Pixelbook, if you decide to buy it. But you don't have to go with the Pixelbook. You can always go with a really good Chromebook. I mean, it just, it's up to you. But Chrome OS is fine. It's very lightweight. I mean, there's not a lot you can do with it if you're like, you know, if if you need it for like business stuff and everything like that, and you know, it, it can serve its purposes to a degree. But if you need like installing like major software and stuff like that, and then you know, a, a Windows laptop is where you're going to want to go with that. But if you just need something light, live streaming, gaming, you know, watching movies, and just you know, using some of the stuff that you use on Android, because you know, Chrome OS, you can install Android apps on it, and you know, a Chromebook is fine. But if you want to go with a Pixelbook because you want to have a Pixelbook. By all means, go for it. I can tell you right now, the base model Pixelbook is solid. It's fast, you know. So I can only imagine that if I had, if I had the money to burn to invest in the Pixelbook Go that has the Intel Core i7, I can only imagine just how good that one is. If the very base model of it is really good, in my opinion, it was faster than the previous Chromebook that I had, and the previous Chromebook that I had is act was actually pretty good. And this is. This is a hell of a lot faster. Dang, I'm getting a lot of notifications on freaking um, on uh <laughs> on my phones here. Someone commented on one of my YouTube videos, so big big shouts out to them. Um, all right. So uh, also to kind of discuss here uh, for for the, the last half of this uh, this podcast this morning. Um, so I'm pretty sure you guys probably heard about it. But dish uh, to buy to buy Republic Wireless. Now, if you guys don't know what Republic Wireless is, it is a prepaid MVNO company that uh, has been has been around for for quite some time, but hardly ever gets any spotlight shined on it. It kind of utilizes the same um, the same methodology as Google Fi. So, like, Republic Wireless, you know, the, the plans that they had and everything like that, they mainly wanted you to connect to Wi-Fi and open hotspots and had various different plans that would allow you uh, mobile data access. Even they had a plan that didn't give you mobile data access, just phone calling and text. And then for your data, you had to rely on some sort of Wi-Fi. And if you were always around Wi-Fi, the way that they saw it was it was a no-brainer, connect to Wi-Fi, and you'd be good. And I think the, that plan, when they had that plan, if I'm not mistaken, that plan was like 5 bucks a month. Um, but anyways, this comes uh, from NASDAQ. If you guys don't know what NASDAQ is, um, yeah, you'll figure it out who NASDAQ is. Anyways, uh, they posted an article about a day ago, and they go, and what they say is that this, this network corp said that it plans to acquire Republic Wireless and MVNO, uh, an MVNO service operating on the T-Mobile network. Upon close, Dish will assume about two will, will assume about two hundred thousand customer relationships, the Republic Wireless brand, and other supporting assets. After the acquisition closes, the existing relay division of Republic Wireless will continue to operate as a standalone company and will become a wholesale customer on Dish's five G network. Uh, relay provides. 
communications and productivity solutions for frontline teams in hospitality, facilities management, manufacturing, healthcare, and education, and will remain headquartered in Raleigh, North Carolina. Republic was formed in 2011 with the goal of delivering wireless service the way it should be. Uh, the transaction is expected to close in the second quarter of 2021. Upon close, Rob Curry, Dish Senior Vice President of Ting Mobile and MVNO Platforms, will lead the Republic Wireless business. So that was uh, published by NASDAQ. Uh, very interesting to see Dish actually acquiring all these, these various different companies. Um, so Dish has Boost Mobile, and now they have Ting, and they're going for Republic. They use T-Mobile's towers here, too. Nice. Do you have Republic Wireless? Uh, Tech Love and Mama, let me know if that if that's one of the companies you've used. And if you used, uh, please share with us if it was like good or bad. Um, see, Michael said that way is Jane. My school is still on lockdown. Oh well, that won't take too long, Michael. Places are opening back up. Big thumbs up. Uh, I like my new phone. I was in the mood for a different mobile OS that allowed me the freedom to do as I please. What did you get? Oh, let me see. Did you post it? What what new phone did you get, Michael? Please share with everybody here. Um, but it's interesting to see that Dish making moves. And, 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 and in my opinion, that's actually needed because since Dish is now the fourth carrier, it needs to have a solid foundation in order to be in the mobile game, right? Uh, before, when we had the fatal four-way, literally Sprint and T-Mobile were the small companies and then Verizon and AT&T were the huge companies, Right. And I mean, you don't want to talk about fair competition and everything like that. I mean, yeah, they were still competing against each other, but you know what? I mean, you had the two small companies come together. So Sprint and T-Mobile came together and literally just become one company. But of course, you can't have a triple threat, according to the FCC. It's not fair. Um, so literally, Dish became the fourth carrier. And... Yeah, it's going to be some time before their network is rolled out, but you know we're we're seeing them make advancements. Now I know people who use it and work for them as a remote customer service agent last year for a little bit. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. I remember what's his name of oh, that guy that used to be with uh with uh, Phone Dog. The hell is his name? Aaron Baker, I think that's his name. Um, used to be a consultant for not a consultant, but what the hell do they call them? Oh God, I forgot what they were called, but. Yeah, he 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 used to promote a uh, Republic Wireless. He did a couple of their um, their commercials and things like that. I remember totally him doing that. So, yeah, that's I remember Republic Wireless when it came out. I almost went with them um, when I was checking out their sites because it's like, you know, I heavily rely on home Wi-Fi. So I was like trying to find ways to reduce my bill with Republic Wireless. I was like, hey, that could possibly work. Um, but then, you know what? Like, shit happens. <laughs> so I couldn't. Um, as of the last couple of months, uh, before I moved into my new place here, um, my other place, I was relying on mobile data to live stream and stuff like that. And that, that can be pretty costly, especially, and I know that because the AT&T business elite line that I have only has a hundred gigs of, uh, mobile hotspot, uh, at full speeds. And uh, yeah, I got throttled. I had hit a hundred gigs of mobile hotspot, but I was using the mobile hotspot for everything. Carlos was like, use it, man. That's why you have it. And so, yeah, I was using it to Netflix. I was using it to live stream and yeah, it was just, whoa, I realized how much data people burn. So yep. I've been in that boat. 
Uh, Dish better make use of all that extra band spectrum that they have been hoarding before FCC forced Charlie to sell it. Yeah, I mean, that's the whole reason why Dish stepped into the game to be the fourth carrier is because technically they have been holding on to all the spectrum that they that they bought over auctions over the last couple of years or years of it. And they're not doing anything with it. They're not allowing other companies to use it. You know, they're not, you know, leasing a portion of it. They're not doing anything with it. You know what I mean? So Dish pretty much had had no choice here. So like right when the Sprint and T-Mobile merger happened and they were like, well, we still need a fourth carrier. That's pretty much when the FCC and the government looked at Dish and said, hey, you got all the spectrum that you bought. You can basically start, you know, a mobile brand to your company. Get on it. Or we're going to take away all that spectrum that you bought and, and we're going to auction it off. And so Dish had no choice to do it. Uh, currently, I'm using US Cellular and Xfinity Mobile. I have not used Xfinity Mobile at all. It's pretty interesting. I've looked into it. I don't know if they, I think they do have it here in Phoenix. Um, uh, US Cellular, I've used before. I lived in Oklahoma where my dad lives. And uh, that's, you know, US Cellular is is, is uh, a well-known brand out there in the Midwest. Um, so, yeah, I've used them before. But Xfinity, I have not. Um, currently, right now, the, the providers I have is Metro by T-Mobile, um, AT&T, Business Elite Line, and then my Visible Line I still have. It's, those are the three phones that i have um yep so hey pretty interesting that dish is doing this and really good so will they do what they're doing to boost that is the question that is absolutely the question here because with boost mobile they they're not really aggressively competing at this point. And you know what? I'll play devil's advocate here and say this. Like, there's no point right now for them to be that competitive against Metro and Cricket with Boost Mobile right now, while uh, Dish is currently using T-Mobile's network until they get their network built out. Um, could we see a change in that once Dish is pretty much like no longer piggybacking on T-Mobile and pretty much you know swimming in the ocean with the other carriers on its own? Probably, and and hopefully they don't destroy the the Boost um, uh, reputation because Boost Mobile is a pillar in the prepaid community. It's it's a well known name when it comes to prepaid mobile phone service. I mean, anyone that you you walk down the street, stop a person, and have ten dollars in your hand, be like, for ten bucks, can you name me, you know, the top prepaid companies? And they're gonna say Boost Mobile, and Boost Mobile might be the first one that they mention because it's always been around. And then you have Metro. They'll probably say Metro PCS instead of Metro by T-Mobile and then Cricket Wireless or not in, in one particular order. But, I mean, those three will always be named. They will always be named. Um, Verizon would probably get thrown in there if somebody knows that. Most people that I know of when, I, when they mention prepaid, they never mention Verizon. And that's just because Verizon doesn't really push their prepaid. Um, Visible has been the closest thing ever to be pushed to consumers about prepaid service that comes from Verizon. Um, but when it comes down to it, Verizon prepaid itself is not really pushed. Let's see. I'm Northeast. US Cellular is decent. I, it uses AT&T and other towers. Xfinity uses Verizon, and they are great for plans too, especially with my kids. Nice. That is solid. Uh, I tried Xfinity Mobile before for calls and texts. It is unlimited and free, but heavy use of the mobile data will kill your wallet. Got you. Carlos, what's up, man? How's it going? You're up. 
Well, I mean, you do get up early, so I'm not even going to sound surprised there on that. Sometimes you're up like at seven something in the morning and you're on Periscope. So, but good morning to you, Carlos, man. How you doing today? So yeah, pretty interesting to see that, that, uh, you know, Republic wireless being acquired by dish. Um, and I think it's a pretty good move, you know, at least the acquisition of, of the customers. Like I am holding out in high hopes that dish is going to bring something pretty amazing when it finally can just step away from T-Mobile and rely on its own network. And I've even said this in the past when, when it was, you know, announced that dish would become the fourth carrier. And I said, if dish becomes the fourth carrier, would I give them a shot? Would I sign up service with them? You damn right. I will. I want to, I want to find out, you know, what, what the experience on their network would be like. I'm not going to go and tell people like, Oh yeah, it's the greatest ever when, you know, they're not even done building out their network, but I do want to try it. And I do want to see if there's some sort of difference, you know, because the technology today is going in various different ways. It can end up, you know, um, relying on these towers. I mean, there's rumors of Apple quietly in the works of creating basically, you know, service for their iPhone. So like when you go to the Apple store to buy an iPhone and then you can either use it on AT&T, Verizon, uh, T-Mobile or Dish, or you can uh, sign up with Apple's own mobile phone service, which will be, you know, connecting to satellite. Uh, that has been something tossed around by Apple of, of considering doing and providing, you know, phone service via satellite. I mean, we we got a lot of satellites up in the southern hemisphere. So I mean, what what's a what's like you know fifteen more added to that? You know, I mean, it's bad space junk for those people who are like that's space junk and everything like that, but. You know, Apple will figure a way to do it. Apple likes to tout itself to be eco-friendly, so they'll figure a way. Um, but the point is, is that, you know, when Apple can do it, and they know they can do it, and eventually that will be a thing. I mean, Google kind of did it, sort of. I mean, Google doesn't have its own network that they rely on. They rely on T-Mobile and U.S. Cellular for mobile service. But so, I mean, they, you know, per se to... To, to the average person out there who's not sure of it, just knows that Google Fi is Google phone service, right? And then Apple will actually step it up and just be like, yeah, we're, this is Apple service using our own satellites. We're not using T-Mobile. <laughs> so shameless joke there. But, you know, it's it's a possibility that, you know, Apple can do that. And you know what? To be honest, it would sell. It, would sell. it wouldn't surprise me if, like, diehard Apple fans just completely ditch any of the four carriers and just decide to have their phone service completely tied up with Apple. Why not? People went with the Apple card. I mean, the Apple card hit and everyone wanted to get one. You know what I mean? Jeez, I remember when this came out. <laughs> you guys remember this? <laughs> I just found it the other day. Google Wallet. <laughs> you guys remember the Google Wallet card? Oh, my God. It's nostalgia at its finest. The Google Wallet card. But, I mean, I have one. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, where I am, extending the mobile is, is uh, 45 unlimited everything with 5G2 included. Wow, that's cool. Uh, that's what my husband is on. Then I have three lines sharing three gigs for $30, but that's it. I don't pay a line fee. Gotcha. Wow, cool. I actually did something similar like that uh, where, you know, so like when I was on Google Fi, I paid $70 for unlimited. But I shared my data um, with my kids. So I had like two data only SIM cards that went in their phones. And, um, you know, they uh, they used a Google Voice for, for like phone calls and text. Uh, everything related on data. But it was sharing data, basically. 
So Michael says, I have school at 1030. I woke up at five, could not fall back asleep. So I said, screw it. I'll take a nap after class. Lockdown on PST is messing with my sleep patterns. Ah, gotcha. Uh, show some love. Make sure. I oh, appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's definitely. That does help me out to hit the, the thumbs up. And uh, yeah, if, if, if anyone had popped in and it was your first time here, what the hell are you waiting for? Hit subscribe and hit the bell and choose all. Technically, according to YouTube, you'll never miss uh, a notification from me. But you know, we know how YouTube's notification system is. It's all jacked up. Xfinity also has one gig. You know, it's $15 a month, 10 gigs. Uh, to share is 60 bucks, up to five lines. This does all include 5G, too. Xfinity hotspots are everywhere, especially in the city, so you can save money. Yeah, that is that is cool. You know, Republic, I, I feel like Republic, Xfinity, and Google Fi kind of had that same concept. They all really want you to kind of rely on, on, on open hotspots and whole Wi-Fi uh, to try to reduce your bill, right? Because if you're not doing the unlimited on Google Fi, you're doing the, the Google Fi Flex, right? It's $20 for unlimited talk and text and then $10 per gig. So you can pretty much like control what your bill is going to be like. And let's say you're home always, like always, and you rarely ever step away from your home. You can really have like a mobile phone bill that's like $21 a month. Uh, Gene says, I had Republic Wireless. It was great. Why'd you leave them then? <laughs> Republic Wireless was great when it was on Sprint. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, that's right. Republic Wireless did use Sprint. I mean, that, that was for, for mobile connectivity, but then they, they really, really emphasized using connecting to mobile hotspot for data. I remember that. By the way, what's up, Jose? And Gene says, yes, it was great. But you left them. Why? <laughs> Why'd you leave them? Or do you still have them? And that's like one of the carriers that you have. Because I know, Gene, you have multiple carriers. I'm not going to say which ones, but I know you have multiple carriers. So is Republic still one of them that you keep? Um, yeah, no, I was, I was, um, I was asked because I have like home Wi-Fi and everything right now that you know people are wondering, am I going to go back to Google Fi? And there's just no reason for me to switch from Metro back to Google Fi. Uh, Metro is actually doing pretty good. So you're doing good. I- I'm doing good myself. Yes, in my area it was Sprint and T-Mobile, then the merger in my area. It sucks to have T-Mobile. Yeah. I think that was like the same way for people with Google Fi. You know, they had Sprint, they had T-Mobile. It's merged together, so now it's just T-Mobile and U.S. Cellular. I mean, there are still active Sprint towers all across the country. They're very scattered and they're they're rare. It's like a unicorn um, type of thing that you know. So some people can still find a Sprint tower and they can connect to it and connect to um, Band Forty One. And then they'll, they'll they'll tweet screenshots of it. I use Google Fi because of its call forwarding feature and the ability to switch between physical SIM and eSIM. Yeah, yeah. But I did notice this though, Jose, when it comes to that uh, that whole eSIM thing. But when I used eSIM on Google Fi, it just seemed to me like the speeds got slower than when using an actual physical SIM. So that I ended up like going like you know activating a physical SIM on Google Fi, which is just easy. You just put the SIM in the phone, and then you reset network settings, and then <laughs> sign into uh, Google Fi on Wi-Fi and let it provision and set the the physical SIM back up. But um, yeah, I noticed when I got an eSIM, speeds were a little bit slower and felt a little bit more choked, more like kind of congested, like, choked up. I just I don't know, this is probably me. 
but I, that's that's what I've I've experienced. I don't know if you've seen the same thing, you know. But of course, we're in different areas of the country, so where your coverage is, that's probably different from mine. Because I know here, even though Phoenix is a large city, sometimes you'll be surprised what what people get at speeds out here. Oh, you don't use Google Fi data. Ah, uh, ah. So you are you on the flex? Do you just like have like the flex and just you know do dual SIM? So you use one SIM for like data, and then allow like you know the the, the phone calls and stuff like that. See, my main phone now is the Microsoft Lumia 640 with uh, mobile Microsoft Windows 10 OS. I can put everything on my high capacity SD card. That's what that's the the new phone you got, Michael. Is the uh, the Lumia 640? Cool. I love my Metro by T-Mobile. I'm using it right now on my OnePlus N10 5G. Yeah, I still need to make that video about the N10 5G. I'm just I'm just procrastinating on that so badly. <laughs> yeah, I'm on the flexible plan. And I was thinking about doing that. I was thinking about like opening up um, a Google Fi Flex and just like you know just just having it. I don't know. We'll see what happens. <laughs> we'll see what happens. But more than likely, I probably won't because that's just too much phone bills. Uh, depending depending on how things go, like if my finances are starting to look good in the next three or four months, who knows? I might I might just reopen a you know Google Fi plan again, you know, and that's just so that I can call my mom in Thailand because that's one of the things that I really loved about about um, Google Fi. Uh, being on the Google Fi Unlimited is that um, I was able to call my mom. She's in Thailand, you know, and uh, I always wanted to call and check in on her, make sure she's doing okay, see if she's all right. You know, like I said, um, you know, she suffered a stroke last year or the year before, actually. Um, And so it was just crazy. Uh, Yeah, 2019, she suffered a stroke in October of 2019. So it's been well over a year already. And uh, so, yeah, I just want to be able to check in on her. She calls me uh, when she just wants to let me know she's okay. She calls my sister, too. But sometimes I just want to call her and then, you know, see how she's doing and not have to wait for her to call me to know that she's okay. Latrell, what's up, man? What's going on? Good morning to you. Or good afternoon, where you are. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't think I will return back to Google Fi. Not at this point right now. Honestly, and and yeah, you know, um, taking some time to think about it, because I know I was advocating like Google Fi should, you know, do some sort of partnership deal with Verizon or with AT&T, but that actually wouldn't be a good idea only because if they did, if they did do some sort of partnership with like say like Verizon or AT&T, literally what would happen is that Google Fi's plan would go up because again, they have to, they, they have to pay annually to lease, you know, a, a portion of the company's uh, network to use. And so if they add Verizon or AT&T into the mix, then their $70 unlimited plan on Fi would actually probably be like a hundred bucks um, to customers charge just for that. So that it'd be no point. They just can stay where they're at. And shout out to Sneed for talking with me about that subject and putting that into perspective. So give credit where credit is due. Let's see. iPhone. Android sucks. Uh, they limit what you can store on your SD card, which eats up your internal storage and slows the, slows the RAM down. I don't know about that. Um, in the old days with Android, yes, I'll agree with that statement right there. But with most of the mobile phones released uh, in the last two years, uh, internal storage has never been like a really huge factor, only because of cloud storage. 
Um, and I know people can have their statements, you know, they can say, well, SD cards are better, you know, because cloud storage, the cloud storage server goes down, you lose all your data, but same thing with SD cards. If the SD card is gets corrupt, you lost all your data right there. So it's the same thing. Um, when it like cloud versus uh, SD card and I utilize cloud storage. I have Google one. I have hundred gigabytes of cloud storage for free because of Metro. I had it also with uh, Google Fi. That's the reason why I went with Metro too, is to retain that is I have a lot of files on drive and on various different, uh, you know, like documents and slides and stuff like that. I have a lot of information on there that's, you know, backed up to the cloud. Um, I utilize cloud storage. So, um, yeah. And RAM management on, you know, say like take my pixel five, for instance, you know what I mean? Like I have 128 gigs on that and, uh, RAM management on that with its eight, I think it's eight, eight gigabytes of RAM. The, the RAM management on it is fine. Um, you know, I check every now and then, you know, just to like, you know, just cause I'm, I am, uh, you know, I guess geeky about it, but I always look to see if there's like any type of memory leak. There's not, um, but no, I, you know what? Everyone's different. You know, I'm not knocking, you know, what you're saying, Michael. So don't think that way at all. Like, I'm happy that if the new phone you got works best for you, then screw what anyone else says. It's working best for you. So big thumbs up to you. Congrats on the new phone, man. Hopefully, you know, you, you find it very enjoyable. The only problem that I would say with uh, with Windows OS, uh, Windows Mobile OS the only problem that I had, because it, it, it's a phenomenal operating system, hands down, like, you know, my top, like one of my tops. Uh, problem is, is that it didn't have any app development, like, you know, major companies like Facebook and, and Twitter, you know, did create their, you know, an app for that platform. But like other ones like, you know, Instagram, which is owned by Facebook. So surprisingly, they never did it. Well, like, you know, Instagram, Snapchat and all that other stuff, you know, never did. You had third party developers and most of these people that develop these these third party applications for these uh, platforms, you know, were based, you know, in India from researches that was done. And, uh, and, you know, and because there's a lot of scammers that come out of India that, you know, those are scam calls you get where the people fake themselves to be like Microsoft tech support. And, you know, why the hell would Microsoft tech support call you and tell you that they owe you 600 bucks? Like. I mean, I had a couple of those scam calls. It's kind of funny. Uh, I'll tell you what, no, like one that lasted eight seconds. Um, but I decided to take the call to have fun with the person. Uh, there was Instagram on Windows. Not too, not too much later, though, when Windows was going down anyways. But like throughout the time that there could have been, there wasn't. There was like this third party one. The same with Snapchat and the same with others, you know, with, with other uh, platforms. Just like Facebook and Twitter were the main ones on jump with Windows Mobile OS that actually had an app for Windows Mobile OS. Uh, but anyway, so this scammer called and he wanted to, you know, he wanted to get a ridiculous. Oh, Latrell's leaving. All right, man, take it easy. Have a great day, bro. Um, this scammer calls and he's from Microsoft Tech Support and he's like, Microsoft Tech Support here and. Uh, Reaching out to, you know, because I had to call them. Well, they called me. I had to call them back. And they said they were Microsoft tech support. And I said, yeah, I got this message that, you know, I was supposed to call you guys. And they're like, oh, yes. You know, and they started talking about a refund off jump. So I don't know. Maybe this guy wasn't reading his script and his binder correctly. You know, he, he probably jumped a few steps thinking he was going to get through the call quickly and scam me out of money. But he was like, he, when he mentioned the fact that, you know, there was a refund amount of $600 that was owed to me. Um, you know. All right, bro. Take it easy, man. Have a great day. <laughs> do what you got to do, bro. Take it easy and just be safe out there. 
Um, but anyway, so I decided to act like a like you know like a pissed off customer. Uh, I kept inserting myself. No, dude, don't worry about it. Man. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know why that kept uh, inserting itself into my call. No, 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 it's just totally cool, man. They, they charge by the gig. That's why I left for public wireless. No unlimited data. No, okay, I got you, Gene. Uh, but anyways, so as, at the moment that he mentioned that that they owed me six hundred dollars and they're trying to give me a refund and all this other stuff, I went full like full ham on this dude. And it was just like yelling at him and talking about, you know what? Like, uh, like stay on the line. Let me get my lawyer on the phone. I want my lawyer to hear this shit right now because I'm going to sue the shit out of you. And the dude was flipping out. And eight seconds, he hung up. <laughs> eight seconds from the moment he told me that they owed me $600. And so they were going to walk me through step by step on how to get my refund. From the moment he said that, and I flipped on him and said, to stay on the effing line. I'm getting my lawyer on this call and I'm going to sue the hell out of you guys. <laughs> no call just hung up. And I was like, yeah, that's what you got to do. I can smell a scammer a mile away. You want $600? Just give me your bank account number, <laughs> banking routing number. I mean, well, sometimes they do that. Some of the scammers are a bit sophisticated nowadays too. You know, some of them don't even actually ask you for your, your, your banking information. They just want to link up so they can remotely access your computer. And then while they look like they're trying to solve your computer problem or whatever, they're actually sifting through all your files, looking at all your history and downloading all that information to try and find something that allows them access in or doing the next best thing. Uh, this, this is the funniest one. And like, I, you know, I, I tell people that like, tell me they get these scam calls and they almost did it. And I'll, I'll always question them. Like, why would you guys almost do that? Like, why would the IRS tell you, you owe them in taxes and they accept Google, you know, play store cards and, and, uh, <laughs> and target gift cards. Like when, like seriously, because I'd I'd pay the IRS and you know if I owed them money, I would pay them with a Target gift card if they really did it. it should be like they send me a letter. This is a letter from the Internal Revenue, <laughs> um, the Internal Revenue Services, and it shows here that you uh, owe us fifteen hundred dollars. I'd write them a letter back. Like, don't worry, I'm going to Target today, and you will get paid. <laughs> it may take me a while. Might have to keep buying those fifty dollar ones. But um, yeah, I will send you guys the money as as soon as I can. Just give me some time, you know. Or uh, hey, would you guys like uh, Walmart gift cards too as well? Because I can do both and Google Play reward cards. You know, <laughs> I mean, the IRS ain't taking payments like that. I don't know how people can really actually buy that. And so I always tell them like, hey, um, yeah. Anytime someone tells you that they'll accept payment using a gift card, it's all bullshit. <laughs> That's what I tell them all the time. It's all bullshit. Don't follow it. Don't believe it. It's horse crap. Um, so yeah, like you know, all the, all these you know that that scammer man. When I when I went bananas on him, he was just like he. I, I'm pretty sure I can imagine what his face reaction was. It was like holy shit, this guy is mad. He's calling his lawyer. Like I don't think he. I don't think they thought that someone would actually yell at them and say like, oh, you guys owe me money. You guys screwed me over. I'm getting my lawyer on the phone. I'm going to sue you guys. Like they didn't, they didn't expect that. They thought. And not, not people would hear that they would get a $600 refund and be okay with that. 
And but see, that's how scammers don't really know. I mean, you, you we have people that have you know that go through all walks of life. There are some people that you know are always down on their luck, and so when they hear a six hundred dollar refund, you know they're gonna bite. That's the fish that's gonna bite because they're not thinking of anything bad. They're like, hey, this is a break for me. Six hundred dollars is a break. And then you got those people that you know walk that path of life that's just like, you know, uh, decent and carefree. And so when they hear that someone owes them six hundred dollars and like they got took for six hundred dollars. Yeah, they want their money back, but you know now they're thinking of litigation. <laughs> Let's see. I think it's my ass and hang up on them. My mom taught me uh, since I was little. IRS never calls, never gives, uh, never give SSN over the phone. And if you're not sure, ask them to mail a letter or whatever they're calling for. I wish others were taught this. Yes, that's true. The IRS is not going to. They're not going to call you. They don't call you when you owe the money. The IRS doesn't have to because they have special abilities. The IRS has one special ability that will just burn your ass hairs. If you owe them money and you don't make contact with them and you don't file for an extension and you don't do anything else like that, there's one thing the IRS can do that's going to burn your ass hairs if you have no communication with them. And that is they'll just reach their hands into your bank account and start garnishing money out of it. And they can do that. They can. So um, they don't need to call you. They'll they'll wait for you to call them and try to talk with them. But then they won't even really talk to you on the phone. You know, like they'll they'll take general questions over the phone. But if it's anything that has to do with, you know, you owing the IRS money or anything like that, they'll just refer you to, you know, an actual physical on-site location to talk to somebody. They won't really do the, the the personal stuff over the phone. E- even even with verifications, at times, sometimes they won't even do it. They'll just refer you uh, to go in, to come into an office and speak. So anyways, um, the last scammer call that I got, I think I uploaded it here to YouTube a couple of years ago, um, or I may not have. If I if I if I have not, I'll find the footage and I'll upload it later. But it was it was kind of bad. I was kind of worried about uploading it because of what the scammer said. But I went through about like 25 minutes of the phone call talking to the person and the guy wanted me to um to take a picture of of my um my banking info. This one actually asked for my banking info and they wanted me to text and uh, copy of the image to this phone number it gave me. I'm like totally fine. And and, and this scammer tried to pretend he was the IRS too talking about that do I own property in Texas and stuff like that because they see several bank accounts and properties in, in Texas and El Paso and blah, blah, blah. And someone's using my, my social security number. Um, no, it was the social security administration, not the IRS and uh, all this other stuff or whatever. And that, you know, the police are coming after me right now and you know I could be arrested any moment right now. And then I'm like thinking to myself, like, then why'd you give me the heads up? <laughs> you know, if I was fleeing away from them, if I was really like doing dirt and fleeing away from them, you just called me and told me that the, that the police and FBI is on their way. Man, you don't even know if I'm like Danny Ocean from Ocean's Eleven and I can disappear. <laughs> you just gave me the heads up to do it, but hey, they're not thinking. Anyway, so I told him, yeah, I would, uh, you know, I screenshotted it <laughs> and then I was like, I'm going to send it to you right now. What I did was I found a picture, a, a meme of Michael Jordan. And in the meme caption, it said, not today, scammer. And I sent it to the guy. And I was waiting for his response. And I was recording this on video. I had it on speakerphone. And then I was like, 
the guy's like, did you send me the information? And I'm like, yes, I did. You should be getting it any time now. And I heard the alert go off on the phone. He's like, okay, one moment. And then he looked. And he comes back on and he said, he said the most darnest thing that I was just like, wow, you are lucky you're in India. But he says, ha, you're very funny, huh? Why you send me a picture? And then he drops the N-bomb. And I was like, whoa, that's not very nice. How could someone from the Social Security Administration say that, scammer? <laughs> then he's all cussing me out. F you, you MF, you're wasting my time, and da 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 and hung up. I'm like, okay. Yeah. So sometimes, you know, when these scammer calls come in, I take the calls just to mess with them because one of my, you know, one of my top favorite YouTubers here on YouTube is actually Scammer Revolts. I don't know if you guys watch any of his videos, but, you know, he records. He records dealing with scammers and what he does, how he toys with them, how he completely has them remote access his virtual machine. And at the same time, he remote accesses their computer. And the goal is always the same in every video he does. He deletes the files that they have on there. And then he goes in and he try and he changes the password to the computer. And then he adds a syskey. And he tries to do that in the allotted amount of time that he has to do it before they unplug the, pu- the computer or they, they disconnect remote access. Um, that's actually kind of funny. Let's see. Another scam that I know that people fell for is this job opportunity via Hangouts or Facebook Messenger. Since they offer remote work, they think it's legit and send their bank info to start a job. Oh, yeah. I heard about that one. That's why a lot of people are like, Hangouts is a scam lately in like the last couple of months. Well, from the last year, from 2020. Um, yeah, people were doing that. Another one too that's actually happening on Facebook is uh, rental properties. I don't know if you know about that scam. Um, but they'll post like, you know, like they'll, they'll post a property and say it's for rent or whatever, you know, you um, on Facebook and you'll message them in an interest of looking for a new place and then they'll they'll hit you with all this information like like a normal realtor would do. Since a lot of places were doing um, you know contactless um, uh, rental deals, because that's how I that's how I rented this property. I didn't actually deal with the the uh, the realty company directly until it was time to sign the lease. Um, everything from like viewing the property and negotiation and stuff like that was all done through messaging. So, anyways, well, what these scammers do is they. They put an ad out on Facebook that they're renting out a property. Um, you take interest in it. You want to do a viewing. They tell you, okay, you know, they're gonna set, they're gonna send you a code to get the lock, the lockbox uh, code to get the key out of it, so you can view the place. And they're like, you know, there is a fifty dollars application fee to start the process of, you know, renting the property. And then they also ask you to, you know, if you want to hold this property and make sure that you get this property uh, when you're gonna go view it today, we need the fifty dollars uh, processing fee to start the application, but we also need the 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 deposit and like you know if the deposit is $1,290 for the place you know because that's what the monthly rent costs um some people wire transfer that they wire transfer it and like um they almost got uh me and my lady at this because we were right near the property that they were advertising on Facebook that was for rent. So we kind of pulled up to the spot and then we were dealing with the the person through messenger. And the person was like, yeah, we need half of the deposit. So that would be $640 and then $50 application fee. And then, you know, um, the hundred dollars, you know, uh, admin fee and all this other shit. And then it was like, 
they wanted it now. And I'm like, wait a minute, we haven't even seen the place yet. So why are they asking them for the money now and whatnot? And um, <laughs> I guess, you know, hey, God is good. God was looking out for me because the house that we were just about to walk up to to try and view, first of all, we thought it was weird. It didn't have a lockbox in the front. And secondly, the own, well, the person renting the property pulled up home from work. And we're like, oh, someone lives here. And so, yeah, they never got us. But, I mean, that's how they're getting people, you know, by doing stuff like that. Never do it via chat. They should have a legit secure website for that stuff. I heard so many people got scammed. Yes, yes, a lot of people do. So, like, a lot of properties that I went to to look at when I was looking for a new place to live. um, Inside, when you go to view the rental property, when you get the code from them to get the key from the lockbox and you go inside the property to look around, a lot of them have these flyers put up that tell you, like, if anybody else told you to look at this place, they, uh, if it's not through this company, then you are being scammed. Like, they literally tell you. Because scammers have become so sophisticated with rental properties that they'll communicate with you to have you wire transfer money to them. And while you're communicating with them, they'll actually go to like a vacant property that does have a lockbox and they'll figure out who the rental property is. And while they're scamming you to, to pay money to them, they are at the same time communicating with the actual realtor, getting a lockbox code. And when they get the lockbox code, they text it to you. So it looks legit. So you have the code. And when you go to look at the place, you open up, you look around, you're like, okay, this place is for rent and you know it's nice. And you really think you're dealing with the landlord, but you're really not. And then when you're like, okay, I want this place. And then they'll, they'll up the price. You know what I mean? Like all of a sudden it'll change. Like first they'll ask for half of the security deposit. And then all of a sudden when they can tell by your messaging that you're really gun ho about getting the place, then they'll be like, oh yeah, we need, we need deposit then. Send a deposit ASAP. And of course, the deposits could be high. And they don't care if they don't get the admin fee and, 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 and the application fee. They don't give a shit about that. You know, $50, $100 versus like getting like in a $1,500 or even $2,000, depending on what the security deposit would be for the place. They get that from you. And then you're like, okay, um, you're trying to do stuff to, to get the place. You find out the true realty company that, that, you know, is renting the property. And then they tell you, you've never sent us a security deposit. You know, we won't ask for that until you get approved on your application. So, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Uh, scammers, I don't trust them. That is why, uh, as a mod, I block anyone who asks for your, S- your SSN, DOB, bank credit card, and all that other stuff. Yeah. No, I totally get you on that, man. So I get you. Um, Jay says, I think the FTC is trying to combat scammers. They're trying to, but I mean, they're just not doing a very good job. It's the reason why I like my Pixel phones. You know, when it tells me, the, when calls come in and it's like scam likely, scam likely, <laughs> let Google answer it. They can talk to Google all day long. I don't mind. Um, anyway, guys, so I went beyond what i normally do but i do want to thank everybody that came in and uh, watched the podcast today for tuesday uh those of you guys uh who missed like you know the earlier segments you guys can always go back and watch the replay those who did watch the replay hashtag nerd up so i know you watched the replay and that way you guys will level up and um yeah shout out to the channel members again thank you guys so much for being part of the channel and uh yeah we're gonna start implementing all those changes in the membership programs to get those going so like you know members only chat and stuff like that will start happening. Um, although again, you know, biggest support is smashing the like button. But if you, if you're feeling generous, <laughs> there you go. There's my PayPal link. If you guys want to do a one-time monetary donation, I really appreciate it. But y'all don't have to, 
just smash the like button and share this on social platforms is the biggest help that you guys could ever give me on here. And um, yeah, that is it for right now. You guys enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. Love you guys very much. Keep it cool. Keep it clean. Be safe out there. And as always, peace. Yeah.